Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and chavrita Yerdena Azband, our daf of the day, Masacha Beta, daf Lamed Chet, page 38. Our sugya today, we're going to continue a citation, we're going to take a citation from the Mishnah and the Gemara continues to discuss it. Now this was, of course, the piece that I read yesterday where I was, you know, quite puzzled as to why exactly we're talking about a woman who's borrowed from her friend. And in fact, the Gemara kind of steps aside from that. So what happens is, okay, so this is already some like background about how Chazal themselves were working. So the Gemara talks about how when Rabbi Abba went from Bavel to Eretz Yisrael, meaning Kiselik, he would, he he left, I guess, he went up, maybe he went in. Rabbi Abba Amar, Yehei Rava Deema Milta Detit Kabel. So this is Aramaic, we should note. And he says, may it be God's will that my word of halacha, wait, it doesn't say of halacha, but my word, that it will be accepted, meaning that the people in Eretz Yisrael will listen to him, will accept him, and they won't, he won't have it, he won't be embarrassed that here he is coming from Bavel, from Babylonia, and to think that they won't accept what he has to say. So what happens, he goes up, meaning he goes up to Eretz Yisrael, he goes up to the land of Israel, and he finds Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Chanina Bar Papi and Rabbi Zera, they say to him, Rabbi Abal, Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi, Rabbi Yitzchak, Nacha. So they also say that maybe he found these other guys, namely these other rabbis, Rabbi Abal, Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi, and Rabbi Yitzchak, Nacha. And so they're sitting and they're they're talking, they're speaking. Amai. And the what they're discussing is this Mishnah. And they say, why? Meaning, why is this a halacha about that dough? So let the water and the salt be considered um, leave till, meaning from the word batala, batel, meaning something that is negated or something that is nullified. It is secondary. It should be considered nothing as compared to the dough, as compared to the dough itself. Meaning, don't worry about the fact that there's water and salt along the way when you're talking about a whole thing of dough. Amar lahul Rabbi Abba. So Rabbi Abba says to them, So you have, what if you have a kav that's a measure of wheat that gets mingled in with 10 kavim of somebody else's wheat, meaning you've got 11 in your bowl, let's say, but one is owned by one person and one is owned by, by, by sorry, 10 are owned by somebody else. Yochal, so you're going to eat 11, right? Meaning that doesn't make so much sense. So what happens? This is the implication. It should be the same issue with the water and the salt in the dough. Meaning are you going to really nullify it in that way to that extent? So the the rest of them, all these rabbis who are sitting there, they laugh at him. He says to them, did I take your cloaks from you, your clothing from you, um, your garment, I guess, that you're putting me to shame? Meaning, like, is that such an, it's a, it's all euphemistic here, right? But the idea here is that he's saying, you know, was it so, was it so um, urgent to you that you would put me, that you would embarrass me? And again, they laugh at him. So this is also like, I would say it's kind of like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not obscure, some word like 
I, I don't I can't remember the word that I'm looking for, but it means right like I'm trying to say like this the text itself is kind of dark in terms of understanding exactly what's going on, um, kind of cloaked, no pun intended, based on his cloaks here in terms of what what is his point and why are they laughing at him. So then we have the next comment, which hopefully will shed some light here. I'm Ravushaya Shapir Avud Dachichu Alai. It's a good thing that they laughed at him. What's the point? The case of the wheat, right? If you've got wheat that gets mixed in with barley, right? Which was not the case that he said. He said wheat and wheat. Right? But if you have wheat and barley, then you have min mino. You have two different types of things that are mingled together. Um mino And when you have things that are not alike in that way, two different types of things, then then one can be negated you know, by the other. Right? Meaning if you've got a great majority from the one, it can negate the other. So what about when it's the same type of food, meaning wheat and wheat? So according to Rabbi Yehuda, wheat and wheat can not be nullified. But according to Rabbanan, it is nullified. So then this is still, this is, I would say, sharpening the question why they would laugh at him. Not saying that it's a good thing that they laugh at him. He hasn't yet answered this. And Rav Safra says to Rav Ushaya, Amarle Rav Safra, Moshe, Moshe meaning like, it's like a nickname of reverence because he's so great, Rav Ushaya. On the other hand, he's about to say, like, you know, what are you saying? Shapir Ka'amar, did you really say a good thing? Lo shmailahu had amar Meaning, think about the case of Rebichia of Ketosfa'a. What did he say in the name of Rav? That if you take pebbles out of somebody's somebody's wheat, then you have to pay him for any loss for the for the loss, meaning not for any loss. It's an assumption that there is actually loss to pay him for the value of the wheat that was according to the weight of that of those stones, right? Meaning because otherwise he would have sold the pebbles along with the wheat. The value would have been more because he because he wouldn't have sifted it out, not in any kind of deceptive way, just like that's how it's sold. So the moment you take away the pebbles and the wheat weighs less, then the people might be getting a more refined wheat, but the person who's selling it is ending up getting less for his less for his weight, less for the weight itself. So, um, okay. So the idea here is that really you should pay him back for that, um, and which means then that this question of can these things be? I would say that the Gemara here is a little bit. Um, still oblique. That's the word I was looking for. Oblique in that it does not, it does not explain itself why, why this concern of these items being batel should they accept that it should be batel for these things, but it should not be batel for those things specifically. Let me say it better. I'm sorry. That the wa- the water and the salt should be batel to the dough, as compared to the one cob of wheat being negated by the 11 by the other 10 kavim of wheat the rabbis will laugh at him should theoretically anyway accept the position that says uh the the rabbinic position the majority position that says yes you can you can understand that that would be butter so your dana perhaps you can shed more light on this than i than i am finding here but i think that the gemar is trying to uh puzzle out you know 
exactly how far can you go in terms of, um, you know, somebody who comes to borrow from somebody else, how many counts of, of things are they borrowing? Or do you say, well, you know, it's really all part of the, the same thing and don't worry about it. Yeah, I, I, this was a difficult passage for me. I had to read it quite a number of times to understand what it's saying. I think your read of it is correct. Um, and I feel like this also took us like so far afield from anything else that we had talked about with Beitza. Like we're not really talking about Yom Tov anymore. Now we're talking about like the whole concept of of being Batel. So, uh, it, you know, which I also thought was just interesting that this is kind of the direction that the Gemara sort of went in all of a sudden. And and I think it gets even more confusing later on on that tap where I'll, I'll just read this part and then we can continue our discussion. Shchuta eina betela benevela. Right, so we have the same with of Rav Chista that if you have of this of a, of a shechted animal, sort of gets mixed up with larger pieces of an animal carcass, right? Like an animal that's in a veil, just an animal that died, right? It 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 is not uh, it's not butthelled by the carcass. Because that carcass could have had the status of a slaughtered animal. So this also took me a long time to figure out exactly what it means. Um, but what I believe the Gemara is saying here is, is that basically it loses ability to transmit Tuma because if that carcass becomes beca- becomes spoiled and it's not an edible carcass anymore. In other words, there's an issue if you have Nevela, if you have a carcass that you could eat the meat on, but the issue is, is that it just wasn't shechted properly. But what if you have a Nevela that no longer is edible then it's no longer tame anymore. So while the nevela is edible, it's tame. When it no longer becomes edible anymore, it's no longer tame anymore, which I thought was really interesting. So the fact that that nevela had the ability to maybe be shechted, right, basically means the meat actually are equal to each other. It's just, it wasn't a shechted animal, but it's actually the same thing as the shechted meat. And so, therefore, according to what Rabbi Yehuda was saying before, that smaller amount of, of the of the shechted meat would not be fatal in the nevela meat. And so, therefore, even though it was mixed together, we would not consider that whole mixture to basically be nevela, right? But it would just basically be like nevela meat mixed with uh, mixed with shechted meat. So, this to me was a very interesting concept for two reasons. One is the idea that nevela can lose its tummy status once it sort of crosses the threshold from no longer being edible. So in other words, what we need to worry about Nevela is it basically becomes tummy because it wasn't shechted appropriately and we want to make sure people don't eat it. But once it's no longer edible, it doesn't need to be tummy because we're not worried about it anymore. Even though I know Tumen Tower is not necessarily about like human emotion, but do you hear what I'm saying, Anne? Like it, that's why it's like do. status. But I so I thought that piece was interesting because I, I can't think of anything else that sort of loses its status because it fundamentally changes. I mean, the only, well, no, I shouldn't say that. I guess maybe the parallel to it would be, although the Gemara does not bring this up, so this is my own version of the Gemara, is, you know, like if you have a clea, right, that's, that is, uh, you know, we talked about that has a hole greater than a pomegranate, greater than a remote it would lose its tummy status because it's like no longer that clean anymore. It's something different or clean that gets shattered, whether or not the 
shards of it would be considered to be tummy. So we do think, see things that sort of change or transform. So I guess that's sort of what happens here as well. We also see it, saw it in the context of muksa in Beitzim, right? That something could be not muksa before Shabbos and then it becomes muksa or vice versa. I understand that's completely different from Tuma and Tara, but if we didn't have all this, the rest of everything going on in the Masech, I would say, oh, look, it's, you know, following that same theme. I'm not sure that's a legitimate claim. I think that it really is just, you know, a different case. But, you know, intellectually, I suppose we can draw that link. I do find this stuff more head spinning than than others of late. Yes, this one, I thought each case and each line was sort of its own particular um, type of case. So I'll just even read just the next passage just quickly. So it's like, now the Lord just goes to like a totally different topic. And I think the reason why it is head spinning is because they're really having difficulty finding parallel cases, right? That's really what the Gemara does. The Amorayim try to say, okay, you have this case. Can we find a parallel case that helps us figure out what the Halakha is? And I think here it's a little difficult for them to find what those parallel cases are. So, you know, now they start saying, okay, so in this case, if you have this nevela that has owners, that's different than the owner of the shechted meat, right? Maybe then it should be, you know, labitela, maybe it should be batel in it, right? The chitema, right? You could say, hachanami, yes, it is. Vahatanya, right? But didn't we learn? I'm a Rabbi Yochanan Benuri, didn't Rabbi Yochanan Benuri teach? Chefsi hefker konin shvita right, that ownerless objects acquire residence. In other words, something that's ownerless, right, that's not owned by anybody. So there's no tichum, basically, based on the owner. It just becomes, it acquires residence from where it is. And so therefore, somebody who finds it can only move it 2,000 amot based on where it's found, not based on the owner, right? Because it doesn't have owners, so even though it has no owner, is it, is it like it has owner? So even though you have property that doesn't have any owners, right, which is like the salt and the water that we talked about in the Mishnah, right, it, it can still have its own tachum that's independent of any owner, even though it's technically ownerless, right? And that doesn't become that umbatel if it's mixed with other items. So like that's head spinning, right? We're talking about, think about all the different types of cases we're talking about here. We're talking about items that have different ownership that get mixed together, right? We're talking about the concept of tachum. We're still talking about slaughtered meat and nevela that gets mixed together. And we're also talking about ownerless objects. So like all of those concepts are in this one tiny little line of Gemara. I think that's why this path, this particular staff is very head spinning. And I can say the thing I haven't actually said this in quite some time, you know, where we say to know anything, you have to know everything. That's this line. Exactly. Well, that's our top discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadra website. Let us know what you thought about this staff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.